Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast, where we launch faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. But you know what? It's more than that. We want to help you thrive in the midst of today's cancel culture. Our goal is to raise up workplace warriors who will stand for what they believe in, whatever the cost. You can find out more by visiting expertownership.com. But without further ado, here we go. I've been really, really feeling it. About to bust a move or a show. Let me get it. If you really Hey, today we're talking nine reasons why you may struggle financially. <laughs> why not ten? But listen, we're 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 talking to expert owners, so there's a good chance that you're not struggling financially, which is a good good place to be. But you may see other people who are struggling financially. But when we start listing out listing out some of these things, they're going to make a lot of sense to you when you look around and you see why people would be struggling financially or why in the past you may have struggled financially. So we're going to look at those nine reasons. But before we do, I just want to say thank you to our podcast sponsor, Christian, Christian Healthcare Ministries. Oh, oh we, we almost did that together. Jeez. Jinx. No, listen, people struggle financially with medical costs on a monthly basis, and they also can easily struggle financially with the medical costs after, you know, you've got this 80-20 plan or whatever, and you're paying a thousand bucks a month to Blue Cross, Blue Shield. Now you got a 20% nut you got to cover, which is crazy. Yeah. And so Christian Healthcare Ministries has eliminated all of that out of our lives, which has been yeah. the best decision. Because it's all made. about sharing. It's it's not about like coverage and all that stuff. It's just sharing. It's it's yeah. Christians coming together and sharing each other's expenses. And here's what I found to be true: of all, David and I have probably referred more than 200 families to Christian Healthcare Ministries over the 20 years that we've been with. We have never met someone who has who has spent less on other types of traditional health insurance like Blue Cross Blue Shield yeah. than they did with CHM. It's just a it's a far more economical way. But anyway, right. we're big proponents in CHM. You guys hear it all the time. So if you're not with CHM, you need to go look at go to expertownership.com forward slash CHM. And all thank right. you. Now let's talk nine ways. They are who's making not it. nine reasons why we may be struggling financially yeah. and how to overcome That's it. That's what I was going to say. Thanks to CHM. We're going to, we're going to share this with you. Nine reasons why you may struggle financially. Number one, you got a vice. You have some type of yeah. vice. You can't stop spending on something you like. Okay. Mm. <laughs> There's four things that your vice is going to cost you. Your vice, whatever that vice is, it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you intellectual property, and it's going to cost your health. You've heard that quote. A lot of people spend their health in order to gain wealth, just to take that wealth, to spend it to get their health back. Don't, don't do that. If you got a vice. Now, David's vice is ice cream. Well, but, but, but he only let lets just, him do it one, once a week. What if fine. it's not necessarily a vice <laughs> as much as it is an addiction? A slice. Well, yeah, that could be me. Well, First Corinthians six twelve, everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. Is what the Apostle Paul teaches the early church, which is Christ's word. Don't yeah. be mastered by anything. You could be mastered by golf, yeah. or you could be mastered by binge watching certain things, or you could be mastered like I am at times. I've got to fight this, but I really love sugar. And the thing is, is that. If I eat it late at night, you talk about ice cream. 
Yeah, I'm talking about ice cream. You didn't say ice cream. Okay, whatever. I do, but I like dark chocolate a lot. But I can do dark chocolate, but it's the ice cream that really gets me. And Trader Joe's, but I, I get, give you a food. Hold on. I get inflamed can and I get, I get tired and it it keeps, I'm not as productive. Can, okay. I, can I give a, a food hack? Trader Joe's has this peanut butter cup, but it's with sunflower butter and it's in a little yellow packet. Mm. You have to go and get it. But then it, that'll become it my vice. Blows your hair back, and it's only like a dollar fifty or something like that. But anyway, so and and I look at these nine things, and I'm and I think about most of us who own businesses, we have employees, but you you can oftentimes see your employees making some pretty big mistakes. That's why David and I always try to make it a habit in our meetings with our employees once a week. You you got to train them on money. You got to train them on how to handle money, how to manage money, because you want to help them accomplish their goals financially as well. You, you, it's, it's the, it's the employee that, you know, might be one of your lowest paid employees, but they walk in with a Starbucks $6 coffee every single day. And you're like, girl, you got some problems. Or when the guy walked into our office the one time and every single day I would watch him, he he would, he'd have a, a, like a two liter of Mountain Dew Mm. and he would hammer that thing all day long. And he came into us one time and he was like, I've been just feeling so sick. I need a full week off because I'm so sick. No, you got to stop. And J- the first thing Jason said is stop drinking Mountain Dew. Yeah, stop stuffing and- your pie hole with bad <laughs> stuff. And then, and then now I have to take care of you for it. So that's number one is you got a vice. Okay, so get rid of the vice. All right, number two, you got no interest in mastering your own job. You got no interest in mastering your job. You're only doing the the thing bare minimum bare minimum to get by and this is definitely something we got to talk with our employees about well this is all about being faithful in the little things because the promise of scripture the lord says if you're faithful in little you'll be faithful in much what that means in business if you're faithful to bring value and master what is put in your hand and the job you've been given to do you'll naturally be elevated You'll yes. naturally grow in compensation. That's just the way it works. It's it's that that's the beauty of the capitalism. It doesn't mean that there you you won't have like some greedy boss or something yeah. that won't hook you up. But it but it 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 overwhelmingly works that you have to master. Jason and I always say, it, on your route to your sweet spot in life, you may be in a job where it's definitely not your sweet spot. I remember that I took a job as a janitor. I had two kids and I needed work. That was not my sweet spot. But in route to your sweet spot. Make your current spot sweet. And that is, that's what's most important. You have to master whatever it is that your hand finds to do. Otherwise, you'll struggle financially and you'll never get out of it. You've got to master what you do. No matter if you like it or not, master it for that moment. It will come back to help you immensely. Number three, you've got more interest in consuming than creating. This is huge. David and I talk a lot about this. Be a fountain and not a drain. Like Be, be thinking about consuming, not producing. A fountain is con- is only concerned about connecting to a source a drain is only concerned with connecting to a fountain you want to be the type of person who's a creator not a consumer and and again i'm talking to expert owners here so i'm sharing with you guys some things that you definitely need to not only adhere to yourself i mean david and i gotta adhere, adhere to this as well but you want to be able to teach your employees these things so you want to be, you, we recognize that we are co-creators. It's our first blessing that we were given where God comes in and says essentially to Adam, hey, I could create all these vegetables and fruits. I could even create other human beings with the snap of a finger like I did the first ones, but I'm not going to do that. I want you to be co-creators with me. 
And then if you can put meaning into your work, and Eric is really good about teaching this, Eric Beck, our CEO, really good about teaching, putting meaning in the work and, and making your job and the jobs that you give to your employees a game worth playing. But if you get them to where they can start thinking in terms of being a creator in their job, everything changes and it'll move them out from being a consumer. But if they stay in consumers, then they're going to struggle financially. And you also have to pay attention personally on what are you consuming. For men, a lot of times it's sports or it, you know maybe cars or something like that that you're consuming in terms of video or, or social media or whatever. For women, it's often shopping or it's I'm looking for another bag or another pair of shoes. There's nothing wrong with that, but you just have to pay attention to how much of that you're taking in. Because what that does is when you are in a in a much more of a consistent mindset of consuming, it limits your creativity. So you have to actually limit your consumption moments of how much you're going to consume on social media or right before bed you're sitting there flipping through Facebook marketplace again. You know, and I'm not being so uber legalistic here, but you do have to pay attention because your creativity will get sucked dry when you're in a constant consumer mode. Yeah. Well, and that leads to number four. The fourth reason why you may be struggling financially is that you're afraid to look poor. Ooh. Is that you've got to keep up with, with the, I mean, you keep up with the Joneses. You got to keep up with what other people are doing or saying. David and I had an agent with us. This is a long time ago, but. He drove the nicest cars, had the fanciest shoes and clothes and the really, you know, like the kind of guy that wouldn't spend, you know, 50 bucks on some, some cologne at Marshall's, but had to spend the three to $500 on the stuff from Nordstrom. And then date nights were always at Ruth's Chris or, or Morton's or someplace like, and it's fine. You know, all that stuff's fine if that's what you want to do. But ultimately that ended up being a major struggle in their lives and uh, and what david and i typically will say is get your nice stuff out of your passive income not your active income that's right so when you're in the active income stage in life which we've all been employees at one point that's you are in the active income stage in life where you're trading time for money don't don't live nice out of that that's right take that money live, live comfortable as low as you can who cares if you look poor you should have seen the van that i drove it was it was Hunter Green Dodge Grand Caravan with tan interior. And I remember driving people around showing them houses in 2003, four, and five in that piece of junk hoopty. Now, again, I got out of it as soon as I could. But when you're making that active income, live as low as you can and take the rest and, and buy passive income with it. But you have to be able to understand that for a bit, you might look like somebody I remember. not able to drive that stuff. I remember when Jason and I were building our franchise and, and we had, the, we sold probably the first 20 locations and that was a pretty nice clip that Jason and I had. And it felt like, okay, yeah, we we're generating some serious Jack right now. And I remember one of our franchisees writes us this huge check and walks out, jumps into what was that? Was it a, an infinity? It was that big pearl white oh, yeah. SUV. Like a hundred thousand yeah. car. And this was several years ago. Uh, maybe the most expensive car I've ever seen up close and in person. And right next to it was my Mitsubishi Gallant with 116,000 miles. And I'm the leader of the organization, but I knew I will not be buying a vehicle like that until my passive income can buy it for me. 
So one of the most exciting times of my life was almost 20 years after we started our business. I could have bought a really nice new car probably at year four or five, but I waited another 15 years until I rolled up on that Ford dealership and I bought the prominently displayed truck right out in front, lifted, leveled. And I was like, and I'm buying this beast out of my passive income. And it felt so stinking rewarding. But I, I do want to give you First Samuel 16, 7. Samuel is speaking and he says, don't look at his appearance or his stature. He's talking about young David in the Bible. Do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have now, and he's talking about the, the older brothers and, and choosing young David over his older brothers. Don't look at his appearance or his stature because I've rejected him. Man doesn't see what, does not see what the Lord sees for man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. That is so important financially. Look at the heart. Look like people didn't see. Someone could have seen our franchisee walking up to that really sweet car and seen me getting into my gallant right next to it. And from the outside, it told a completely different story. Their trip, wherever they were leaving, and I was rolling to the bank. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly right. It's you got to take pride in that. And I love how Dave Ramsey says a paid off small used car is the today's new BMW. Yeah. And to, I'm, I'm trying to, this is off the subject, but it is important. I'm trying to teach my kids the same thing, that the, the overuse of phones and being around people in public and pulling out your phone and being on it while somebody's standing there, you know, facing you, like you need to, that needs to be the new thing that you don't do. Yeah. Like, like putting your feet on the table at a restaurant or something. Yeah. Like somebody, you know, I've told my son, you're going off to college. The first time that you're eating lunch in the lunchroom and a bunch of dudes are there you know on your basketball team or whatever and one of them pulls open their phone and plops it on the table and just starts scrolling while you're talking i mean say something like hey you know back in concord where i'm from we laugh at people that do that or you remember top gun you haven't grown out of that yet on the new top gun he got he had to buy drinks for everybody in the bar because he put his laptop on the bar i mean he put his cell phone on the bar i thought that was great yeah okay okay so let's go to number five number five and this is a good one. You consume too much mainstream news. Ooh. The same news that tells you that you're a part of a system that you can't rise above and that you're a victim of your circumstances. So your struggles are not your fault. That is bull. I'm not going to give you the second word to that. To a certain, to a certain level, some people's struggles are not their fault, but we, we have the ability to rise above it. First Thessalonians 4, 11, and 12, this is, this is a call to Christians. It says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, mind your own business, work with your hands so that you'll win the respect of outsiders and you will not be dependent on anyone. That is so important. And just constantly consuming all that news, it eliminates eliminates creative margin where you can actually be creative while you're driving in the car instead of sitting there getting angry because some other politician did something stupid. But not only does it eliminate the creative margin that you can have, but it also puts you in a victim mindset because you can't control all this stuff that's happening around you. Yeah. And you've got to be very careful. The, the media, including entertainment that you take in, like you don't want to feed your soul with this stuff. So you might think, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to keep reading this or I'm going to keep listening to this podcast or I'm going to keep watching that show or whatever. But what you don't realize is, is that's how you're feeding your soul. So if I feed my body on, three cokes a a day i'm killing my body i might like the way it tastes but i'm killing my body 100 percent. 
So Coke may have a great brand, but their product is crap. So, but anyway, number five, you consume too much mainstream news. Number six, you haven't learned the art of being satisfied. Mm. That's a different way of saying you're not, you don't know what contentment feels like. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And the reason why is you, it discontent takes your focus off of God. It takes your focus off of what God has given to you and done for you. And you start focusing on what other people have. The next thing you know, you're not satisfied with what you've got. And then what are you doing? You're buying things to get what they got. Who was it? What, what pastor was it that said, don't compare because if you compare down, yeah, that's it Chip, leads to pride. Chip Ingram. And if you compare up, it leads, it leads to envy. Envy. Both Either way, them. it's no good. Yeah. Both of them is, is not going to, you're not going to end up in a You good know, place. what's interesting is the parable of the soils, the Lord, you know, when he says that the, the rich soil, the good soil produced 30, 60 or a hundred fold. We have to, we, we always need to relate with the person that's produced the 60 because there will always be someone that produces less than you. And there will always be someone that produces more than you. Either way, don't look right and left. You produce what God called you to produce. Same thing with the parable of the talents. The one dude multiplied times two, the other guy multiplied, you know, and he earned a couple of more, right? You just don't, the other guy just maintained, which was not a good thing. So, yeah. you know, we just, we're always that middle guy. So don't compare. Number seven, and Dave Ramsey will love us for this. You don't budget. Like, that's easy enough. But listen, what gets measured gets done. I'll give you an example. Typically, when you want to go get in shape or you want to, you want to get healthy and you hire a nutritionist, that, that nutritionist is going to tell you for the next week, I want you to take a food log. And you're going to have to write down everything that you eat and what proportion that you eat it. And here's what I promise will happen. At the end of that week, you will look back and go, I can't oh, believe I ate all dang, that. Dang, I didn't realize I was eating that. Either too much or too little. It's probably mostly too much, but it might be too little. For me, at one point, it was I, w- I wasn't eating enough carbs. And so my body was actually storing extra fat because I wasn't eating enough of the carbs that I needed to, to offset the dadgum rigorous physical training routine I was doing. So I had to have more carbs. But when you take a food log, it it'll show you some crazy things and you that you don't that you won't know unless you log it. So budgeting is the same way. It gives you a log. You're projecting and then you're keeping a running log. Now, whether you're whether you're really strict on it, whether you're putting you're documenting every single tiny little thing or whether you just basically have generalized categories, that doesn't matter. I mean, you just pick which one. I put all my junk on mint. You got to go to mint.com and have yourself a mint a mint account. But I don't, you know, it, it'll pull in your credit card expenses and stuff from your bank accounts and all that stuff. And it, it does a pretty good job of, of figuring out where to, where to label stuff. But you, you have to budget because what gets measured gets done. Now, let me jump from number seven. I'll go to number eight because this one is very important. You're generous without a strategy. So mm. generosity without a budget is a very dangerous thing. You have to give strategically. David and I have a story of a buddy of ours that did this when we first started our business. We started a real estate company. He started a mortgage company. We were both making about the same money for the first two or three years. And our, our giving strategy, and we need to probably do a whole podcast on this, but we've always talked about the double tithe when it comes to business principle, tithe off the net income of your business. And that goes into a, a donation account that we set up that our business controls. And then we tithe off of our salaries, our disbursements, our distributions, whatever it is we take as business owners. And we tithe on that. That goes into our personal 
donation accounts that then obviously goes to our church and that kind of stuff. So it, it, there's the double tithe going on. Well, so we were doing the double tithe and our buddy was giving away all of his profit. So he would pay himself a small salary and give away every dime of his profit and his business had just started. And I remember talking with him about that. I said, man, God loves your heart, bro. Like I, I've just got to tell you, you are so incredibly generous. But if you don't like fuel your business with some of this money that you're giving away, you're not going to be in business long. And sure enough, after five years, he was out of business. And by God's grace, after five years, our business was crushing it to where we can now still give out of that same business 20 years later. And this guy isn't able to do that. So God still honors your heart of generosity, but you really do need to be strategic with the way that you give. And you need to make sure you're giving. I mean, if you go to the other side of that coin exactly where you're right. not giving, you're not tithing. I, I think about Malachi 3.8, and that was a verse that really encouraged Jason and I to to tithe. And, and in that scripture, it says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. How do we rob you? You ask by not paying the tithe and bringing the contribution to God's house. Yeah. That's, that's a really important thing because if, if you're not being generous, if you're not tithing, then money can easily become an idol. And we know in scripture that it says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. How do you not fall in love with money? Well, number one, you've got to be generous with your money. You've got to put your money, and the Bible also says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And a lot of times in, in us as Christians, we say, I want to have more of a heart for God, more of a heart for missions, more of a heart for evangelism. It's like, okay, well then put your money there yes. because your heart will follow where your money goes. Yeah, and so I talk to my sons and my daughters, and I'm like, there's the two things that you have to, have to, have to, have to, have to do with every single dime that you make, you need to save and you need to tithe. Save and tithe, save and tithe, save and tithe. And if you do that, then live off the rest. So it's very important that you do that. And tithing is being generous with a strategy because God even gives you the base level, 10%. Don't go below 10%, but 10% and up is your tithe and your offering. Okay, and then lastly, this one's so simple, but it's very important. The reason why you would struggle financially, you're not disciplined. Discipline is doing what you don't want to do to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So we have to be disciplined with every dollar that comes in, every single one. And if we're not disciplined with it, then it takes us the opposite direction. See, discipline leads to delight. But if you don't have discipline, you won't experience the delight that discipline can give you. It's like if, if you're the kind of person that hasn't had much discipline over your eating and now let's say you're 45 and it's you have to hold your breath to tie your shoe. Well, that's not very delightful, is it? Well, then let's wrap some discipline around what we eat and around our exercise routine. And at some point, you're going to be able to bend down and not just tie your shoe, but you're going to be able to do toe touches. You're going to be able to do jumping jacks. You're going to be able to do all those things that you actually delight your body. So discipline is something really incredibly important because if you're, in, if you're, if your spending increases as your income increases, then you're not disciplined. Yes. The, the key here with discipline is practicing delayed gratification. You have to be willing to delay your gratification for something f further into the future. That's the very reason why we are so horrible as a nation economically. And we've got 30 plus trillion dollars in debt. We're, look, we're not even thinking about future generations. All we're thinking about is the here and now. Print more money. Take care of us the here and now. Well, you know, for my children and my children's children, it's going to be a totally different oh, yeah. situation. That's why I've got to practice delayed gratification on my own 
so that I can store up for them. Not just money, but opportunities, businesses, land, other things like I that. I think every every politician should have at least 10 years of business experience before they can run for office. Yeah. Like business or organizational experience. So if you run a nonprofit, like a church, a pastor or whatever, or if you run a for-profit, but you have to have organizational experience where you have payroll and you have revenue and the revenue has to be greater than your payroll. That's the exactly revenue right. has to be greater than your expenses. Dad gummit, man. <laughs> that is so easy to understand. It's so dumb. That we can't run our nation Sorry. like that. So anyways, I don't want to go like on that. like going backwoods now. Yeah. We're getting ticked off. All right. So we don't want you to struggle financially. We also want you to have some handles, some practical things that you can teach to your employees. You can also apply them for yourself. But then again, I'm talking to expert owners here. And if you want to be an expert owner, we got a couple things that will really help you. We've got an awesome event in Aspen, Colorado, October 13th through the 17th, and it is going to be rock star. You want to come. David and I are going to be there. Eric, our CEO, will be there. Our master coach, Richard Walsh, will be there. We'll even have Samwise the Great with us, I think. You know, he might even coach you a little bit, you know. Sam. It's beautiful at that time of year. We're going to be right there in Vail at the Ritz-Carlton. We've got like this little mansion right outside the Ritz. It's attached to the Ritz. Yeah. So you'll get a room at the Ritz. We have a private chef coming in, going to handle everything oh, right there at the house. We're going to have fun. And then secondly, we've got courses, coaching, and community. We've got a community. It's called Owner Suite. We've got courses inside that community, and we've got the best coaching for your business that you could ever have. And, and we're excited about it. And so we want to invite you to be a part of the expert ownership family. But until own it or loan it, Let's do a little own it or loan it. Okay, this okay. you're going to like this one. Okay, own it or loan it. Honey Nut Cheerios. Dude, are you crazy? Loan it, freak show. Loan it. You have to. That's the best no, Cheerio it's there the is. It's the worst. If you listen to the health doctors and all these lady podcasters that know how these things work in your body, which are amazing, um, they learn, gosh, I've learned so much. I'm listening to my wife's podcasts. As she's, she's like, hey, listen to this while we're walking around the block. And this one lady said, the single worst cereal for you is Honey Nut Cheerios. Did she really? Yeah, she said that. I would have thought it was like Fruit Loops or something. We grew up on Honey Nut Cheerios. I'm not joking. That's why you and I still struggle with fat around the waist. Hey, but listen, I remember when our dad would go into Kroger down the road from our house and buy a six-pack of Tab. Remember Tab? What's that got to do with Honey Nut Cheerios, you Because the stuff that we ate and drank back then. was pretty bad. Oh, bologna. Gosh, bologna. Now, if you fried bologna, it took out all the bad stuff. Oh, no, it didn't. Yeah, no, it did. Frying anything. And if you add bacon to anything, it makes it healthy. Okay, so do you you own Honey Nut Cheerios? I say loan it because it's sinful. It's not good. I haven't had Honey Nut Cheerios in, in probably 30 years. But in your flesh, I used to eat so much Honey Nut Cheerios that it would make the top roof of my mouth raw. You know, like when you're eating eating something and it's like cutting the top of your mouth, but you can't stop eating it. That was that's what uh, blow pops used to do to my my roof of my mouth. That was those things always. Yeah, they have like a a seam (laughs) on them. A blow pop. They're horrible. And those would just rock your taste buds. Next okay, you know, man, so you can't even that was the tongue. dumbest own it or loan it ever. Well, you didn't think of one? No, we, we loan, both of us loan Honey Nut Cheerios, and you should probably loan it as well. And we probably should loan milk. You should probably do like goat milk no, or something. No, if you get A2 milk, yeah, go get that A2 milk. That's, that's what the, is that? That's the stuff. From an A2 cow. 
What? It's like grass-fed. It's all the stuff. Oh, you just think you're so cool saying the stupid A2 stuff. A2. Hey, listen, subscribe to this, rate and review it, share it with your friends, and uh, let's let's get out there in the marketplace and apply these principles, and hopefully in Jesus' name, we see a revival take place. Boom. Let's, let's do it. We'll see you next week. Hey, hey, hey.